Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Isle of Dr. Garneau. I'm here with Dr. Chris Garneau. How are you doing today? Hey, man, doing pretty good. So uh, there's been a lot of crazy stuff kind of going on um, these past couple of weeks, and, and you had a topic that you uh, you wanted to kind of touch on. Yeah, so I, I believe in timely stories. I believe in, uh, you know, uh, stuff that, that that's happened. So in the past couple of weeks, one of the things that's happened, and you know who knows this? It's 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 uh, it's the Twitterverse, but um, we have a uh, a dude in the White House who who is pretty active on Twitter. He's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one way to put it. He's got things to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. It's so uh, you know it's interesting. There have been reports that he he wakes up early in the morning and he and he uh, watches uh, Fox News and then and then he cruises around the news stations and Twitter and tweets while he uh, while he's watching the news. So anyway. The uh, you know a while back there was this 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 issue that came up where he basically he was targeting four members of Congress and we'll get to why that's important but he was looking at four members of Congress who are very left leaning have some pretty radical ideas relative to the rest of the Democratic Party maybe um, I don't know how radical they really are but it's you know <laughs> the the point of it is is he's got some ideological differences. And he's, you know, he always plays to his base. When he tweets, he's he's looking for the people that that are going to identify with him and agree with him. And what was important about these members of Congress, they're all younger women, so I think they're, you know, all under 40 maybe, uh, and uh, all women. Two of them who are very high profile, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and um, uh, Elon Omar. And uh, f- from New York and Minnesota, respectively. And then I-, I can't remember the name off the top of my head of the other two. Uh, One's I- a Talib, I think. Yep, there you go. Um, yep. And I can't remember what the other one's name was. Yeah, uh, Talib might be from Michigan or represents uh, that area. Anyway, so what's interesting is is Trump just made this this statement, the blanket statement, and you can go online and look up. So I'll just paraphrase. Basically, if they don't like the country that they're living in, because he was complaining that they're complaining, right? <laughs> yeah. If you don't like the country you're living in, you can just go back to wherever you came from, make it better, and then come back and tell us how you did it. Uh, I'm sure Nancy Pelosi will help you pack up, basically. And so there's so much to unpack in this little tweet that he sent out, you know? Yeah. The, the Pelosi part was maybe sowing division a little bit because Pelosi has ideological differences with this particular group. Um, they've dubbed themselves the squad and, um, they, they're a, a pretty tight knit group that has some very progressive ideas. And Nancy Pelosi, uh, is trying to kind of balance out, you know, maybe the more the moderate wing of the democratic party with this newer, younger, more liberal version. And so what, what was interesting is th- this, the phrase "go back, go back, home, go back to the country wherever you came from" that type of thing. Yeah, because three of them were born in the United States, so this is their country. And then Elon Omar was born in um, Somalia, Somalia, yeah, I, I believe, so. and uh, she came here when she was a child um, with her parents. Ten years old, I think. Yeah, very young. So <laughs> it's the 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 immediate reaction was. Ooh, that's a. There's some connotations there to what he's saying when you say "go back to where go, you come." Go from. back to your country, or go back to where you come from, or any of that has been a yeah. cornerstone of white supremacy for oh. hundreds of years. Totally, it's it's <laughs> the it's you know, and it, it it it's the we use the term um, nativism, meaning you're like if you're a native to the United States, then anyone else is an other. 
and you have to other the you know and we you know we did it to the Irish we did it to all different kind you know as a nation um, whoever was in power at that time they were able to kind of demonstrate that power by saying you know like Irish need not apply go back home you know so any wave of immigrant any type of othering what's different in this case is these women were either black or brown and it you know he he there are there's an argument that Bernie Sanders is also very left wing and has a lot of criticism in the United States. And Trump's not asking Bernie Sanders to go home. He's not asking oh, no. Elizabeth Warren to go home. Um, and so one of the things that has been brought up is maybe this is a racialized type of statement. And that there's I mean, something. But there's, there's such a history of, of racism among yeah. this family from his, from his father on down. I mean, the statements that he's made, I mean, I remember back whenever the the whole casino thing was going on with with you know he didn't he didn't like these tribes in Connecticut and these places mm-hmm. uh, encroaching on his casino territory, and he made the statement, "Well, they don't look like Indians to me." Wow. So I mean, this is something that was in the uh, probably the nineties, maybe wow. the early nineties. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this is this is something that. Trump has, you know, from from calling Elizabeth Warren Pocahontas. Right. I mean, uh, we've seen the way that he has talked down to uh, any kind of, of brown immigrants. I mean, we're not seeing ice raids on on the Russian, you know, prostitution rings in New York City or anything right. like that. We're right. we're seeing them on the the brown people at the southern border. They always seem to have to mention that it's, it's at the southern border. Yep. It's not. It's not all the. It's not all the uh, the moving humans through JFK or you know LAX or whatever. Right. They're not worried about those those shipping craters containing you know all these uh, child sex workers. Like they they're worried about the brown people that are trying to flee a lot of situation that we put them in ourselves in America. And they have they're. they're uh trying to seek asylum or they're, you know, whatever it happens to be, see, uh, escaping violence. Uh, and, and, and here's where Trump gets himself in a corner because it's, it's not like this is the first time he's ever said anything like this. So it's weird. It's like, I'm not surprised yet. I am <laughs> like, it's a weird position to be I'm like, yeah. oh, he, like when he said it, I thought, oh, that was, that was weird. And even the National Review, which is, I just got done reading this article today by the National Review. They're a very right-wing organization. And the and it was a higher-up editor, and they basically said, well, I don't know about the, you know, it was definitely racialized. I don't know if it was racist, but it was stupid. Um, and so regardless of, of the, you know, where you come from on the political spectrum, this is odd. I mean, it's it was very, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how calculated it was, but it's going to strike a chord. I mean, and the fact that that, that he's said things like this before really kind of builds up this persona. Um, you know, when he was, he was in a, in a meeting and he didn't realize he's being recorded and he was asking, and they were talking about immigration and he referred to like, why are people, why do people always come, want to come to the United States from these, you know, he's an expletive whole countries, <laughs> right? Yeah. And why not from Norway? You know? And, and when he says that, <laughs> so What's the difference between Norway and, and, and these these other countries? Well, Norwegians are white, you know, and so yeah. you know it's blonde and like kind of a um, kind of a, a, a Hitler idealesque white person. 
And so it's yeah, well, <laughs> the it's, big blonde and, it's, and, and blue eyes. It is the the, the 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 prototypical. You know, when he says Norway for whatever reason, why he picked that country. <laughs> you know, he's like, why can't we get more people from Norway? You know, why are we, why are they always coming from these 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 places that he doesn't like? So the point is, he's picking who he wants. You know, who who he thinks is 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 a good immigrant or a bad immigrant. And you know, this, this dates all the way back to 1924. There was some really important legislation that was passed, and. Most historians look at this as, as, as a racist way of looking at our immigration policies. But in 1924, we passed legislation that really opened the door for European immigration and then greatly limited immigration from the rest of the world, primarily non-Europeans. And, you know, we've since remedied that and said that's not, that, that's not our moral in, in our moral best interest because that just looks bad. It looks like, you know, we want America to be this white place. So... When you when you have an elected leader at the highest position that is weighing in on who are the good immigrants, who are the bad immigrants, who should stay, who should go, that's going to be divisive any way you dice it up. There's no way you know you you can get away from those statements without saying they're going to divide Americans. And in a time where the the racial tenor has hit a higher pulse right now, yeah, there's going to be a lot of pushback to it. So. And, and that's exactly what the House of Representatives did yesterday. So they had a non-binding resolution, didn't, didn't mean anything. It was just, you know, sometimes the House will make a statement. And they do this stuff all the time. Like, they voted to re- wish Ronald Reagan a happy birthday many years ago. You know, they do this stuff, you know. Yeah. That don't, it's, it doesn't affect anyone's life, but they, they just want to make Symbolic. a statement. Symbolic. So they, Nancy Pelosi said, we want to, as a, as a body, we want to say that we are against Trump's racist statements, is what they said. And then there was a Republican in the House that said, we need to strike that language down. You're out of order. You can't call his statements racist, that that is unbecoming of a, of a congressperson. And then that erupted in a whole new thing where the, the House voted that that wasn't inappropriate. And so she didn't have to spend, basically get put in detention if you you know if you do something like that. So she got <laughs> yeah. out of detention. They had the vote, decided it she was. She got out of timeout. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Decided that, okay, yeah, uh, Trump's statements were inappropriate and not becoming of the, the office of the United States. So anyways, but now we're, we're in this place where we've got to decide is there is that rhetoric racist? And in the con- in Congress is trying to decide is it racist? But then you also have news organizations. Many uh, organizations kind of backed off right away from calling it racist, and then others like CNN immediately said this was a racist tweet. Well, from my point of view, how the hell do you let a bunch of old rich white guys decide what's racist or not? Right. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> I mean, right? <laughs> what's I mean? What's the majority of these people that are voting? They're old rich white guys. Right. And even, like, people that I know that are uh, lighter-skinned Indians, they don't get the same kind of um, – you're not looked at as a threat almost. You right. know, I understand whenever, whenever like, a black friend would tell me, man, I got on the elevator and this white lady clutched her purse. And, you know, it's like a – it's a common thing that people think is like a joke, but it actually happens. Right. Like I've I've had that happen to me several like doors get locked as I walk by you know what I mean like you right, hear doors yeah. get locked like that kind of stuff and I tried to explain it to um, a, a friend of a relative one time who uh, actually had half Indian kids but they didn't didn't really look Indian right they were enough to be on the roll and that kind of thing and he was like well racism doesn't exist and this and that you know. Um, this is all just people wanting to be the victim, wanting to play the victim and all this. I said, well, listen, have you ever had to have the conversation with your son 
about if a cop is to pull up on him while he's playing with his BB gun. Right. And that he needs to drop it and put his hands in the air and, and not argue with the cop and not do any of that because he's dark-skinned and he could be shot. I said, because if you haven't ever had to have that conversation, then you don't understand what I'm talking about right now. Right. Like, just because it's never affected you personally, that does not mean it doesn't exist. Just because you've never witnessed it or never recognized it. Right. And and a lot of what people don't understand is that racism is systemic. That it's not just these words that are spoken. That's not yeah. what racism is. That's, not just bad you know, people calling people bad names. It's beyond that. It's bi- yeah, much bigger. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's it's one of those it's one of those conversations that. I've had to explain it to even some of my white friends, like what white privilege actually means. Right. It doesn't mean that you've seen some, you know, over bountiful, you know, gifts throughout your life. It's just that it's it's acknowledging that, yeah, things might have been a little bit easier for you than somebody in your same position with darker color. Right. You get to do things. It's like you get to live in the default. And and as a, as a white person myself, it really took a long time to, you know, I had to listen before I was really able to kind of get at the advantages that I have. And then, then I can start to look beyond outside what was happening. But we're segregated in these little areas. I grew up, I was telling my class today, I grew up in a, a high school where there was only white kids, you know, like we didn't have anybody who wasn't white. And it was fairly segregated in that area of Montana and North Dakota, where um, the reservation schools were 100% American Indian and the white schools were 100% white and the the world's never really crossed. I mean, you had to get to a larger city before we had any African American students or Hispanic students at all at that time. So when you're in that that bubble, that white bubble, I mean, it's really hard to get out of it. So I, I get your point. In, in white America is looking at uh, not all white, of white America, but a lot of white America is looking at, at, at these statements and they're trying to decide whether or not it's racist because they haven't had to, they haven't had to live that, you know, that lived experience or they, you know, haven't really had to confront it. So I think it's a good time to talk these things through because that's like really the only way you, you get to understand what it is. And you were mentioning before the history, there is a history of go back to where you came from. And that is something that that people have echoed over and over again. I, I read a, a New York Times editorial the other day um, of an African-American woman who said when she was a, a small child, she was told that on the playground. And she couldn't understand what what they were talking about, what this white child who said this was talking about. And she's like, it's a really hurtful thing. And it's, you know, it's something that you don't really understand if you haven't been in that position. And it, it, it says, you know, to get back to that word nativism or nativist, it says when you make those statements, it says that this place is for white people and others, you know, they don't maybe don't have a place here. And because here's the other thing. Trump, when he was on the campaign trail, he he would say things, negative things about America all the time, called America the laughing stock, said, you know, we're losing. We're in, and, you know, his argument was I'll make it better. But at the same time, when a white dude is out there feeling free enough to criticize the country, but then says, you don't get to criticize a country, and if you do, you can go back to wherever, you know, where you came from, which is a ridiculous statement. Yeah. That that suggests that there's only one way that you can be critical. And if, if, you know, if you're not white, you, you need to be quiet in other words. And that's a, it's a, that, that can be a silencing way of having communications and being able to talk through the problems of our country, especially Congresswomen who 
need to make decisions about the country. And so like he's basically saying we don't need to hear from you. And that's a that's a it's a weird message to send. It it really reminds me of uh I can't remember what jackass it was on Fox News. One of them women that told LeBron to shut up and dribble. Oh, that's right. Yes. You know, yes. it's a, it's the same it's like so what makes him um have less of a right to worry about the politics of this country than you? Exactly. Like, you know, if, if you're not a politician. You just talk on TV. What what yeah. makes your you know what makes your position more important than what this basketball player has to say? Oh, it's yeah, just true. because he's black and he's got a different opinion than you, right? You know, and and it's uh, when you see see this played out over and over and over again, and all these things kind of compound. You have to, you know, at, at some point, I think what the news media did is is they decided the mainstream media, they were going to call it out for what they thought it was, that this was a racist tweet. And the other thing is you had a, not many, but a few members of the Republican Party um, who were willing to also um, kind of get behind that. The silence was deafening. But there is a lot of silence. Most of it was silence. Most most uh, most uh, Republicans didn't take a position. A few sided with him um, saying, well, you're just saying what we're all thinking. And I'm like, well, I don't think you should be thinking that yeah. <laughs> you know, if that's what you're thinking. Um, but your racist thought process, huh? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, it was interesting here in Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma city mayor, uh, David Holt released at a really interesting press conference and, uh, or, or statement, I should say. And, um, I think it was on Twitter and it, it was an interesting, uh, the tone was interesting. He basically was right after Trump came out with this tweet and, uh, he said, look, uh, 60% of the children in Oklahoma city right now are non-white. So um, it's majority minority in uh, the youth in Oklahoma City. Uh, they need to know they have a place. And, and, and this is a Republican in a red state. And uh, he said, you know, I, that, that term or that statement, go back to where he came from. He's like, he's part Osage. And he said, well, what does that mean for me? Does that mean part of me is here, part of me is in Europe? Like, we're messy. Like, it's not that cut and dry. And when you use nativist language like that, essentially what you're doing is reducing people down to a very simplistic um, idea of ethnicity. And, uh, you know, some people have said that was a, a brave thing. Other people said, well, you know, he could have gone a little bit further. But his point in that statement was immigrants are welcome in Oklahoma City. It Diversity makes us stronger, those kinds of things. So um, I've been impressed with him. Yeah. Credit where credit's due. As a, uh, you know, as a Republican, he stuck his neck out in a, a time where, you know, di diverging or, you know, from the president might be sticky ground and he was okay with it and, uh, you know, decided that he was going to make a, make a statement on that. So yeah, I was too. I, I, I thought, and, and he did it right away and we didn't wait for polls to come out to figure out what position he wanted to be on. Yeah. Um, so here in Oklahoma, I thought that was also uh, an important, uh, message to, or statement to make. I don't think anybody should have to tell you that, that right. that's the yeah. way to go. I mean, you know, I, I just, I think the, one of the main things that is driving all of this is that we are rapidly seeing the number of brown people catch up with the number of white people yep. in the United States. And I think that it's scary for a lot of, of white people. It's like, you know, why, why are you so scared of becoming the minority? Right. Are you, are you afraid you'll be treated bad or something as a minority? I mean... I wonder if it, I wonder if it gets back to the normalcy of white supremacy. Like it just feels normal. Well, I um, think Obama scared the hell out of people. Yeah. This, this may be a reaction. Uh, oh, a I, I fully believe it was. I, I believe this is the pendulum effect. Yeah. 
I believe that it scared people so much to see a black man with the middle name Hussein yeah. run the country for eight years. Yep. And they tossed all the insults and hanging dummies and uh, some of the most distasteful memes and jokes I've ever seen. And don't forget, during that time, Donald Trump <clears throat> was leading the charge to question the His president's birth certificate. Birth certificate. Yeah. The birtherism, a lot of people don't remember that was Donald Trump that mm-hmm. really, like he said, he's got investigators going to Hawaii to prove that this was, you know, I mean, it was a, just kind of a circus yeah. show. No, And at the time, you know, there was a, a fringe that maybe took the guy seriously, but I, I don't think anyone was really considering him as being politically viable. Um, it was like, I was, I was talking to my class about this. They're they looking at the 2016 election, like in terms of how he he won that election. I'm and still was, dumbfounded by it, that. It was I, like acts of lightning all coming together. It was like a perfect storm of things that had to happen in order for that to work. But while, you know, while maybe the middle and the left of the country kind of laughed at Trump about the whole birtherism thing, I think there was a segment that was paying attention that were they were listening to that and that resonated with them and like you said it's that pendulum pendulum effect where you see a, a country for many many years that appears to be catering to white people that is now trying to reckon with the 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 idea that we've got so much diversity uh, coming in future generations that we need to make sure everybody has a place. That's threatening. That's a, th- a threatening idea. And and but you know the thing is, I mean, diversity's always been here. It's just like like you said that the the white population may end up becoming what we call a majority minority. Um, in fact, they'll probably still have more power, even even at uh, less than fifty percent of the population. But still, kind of preparing for this idea that we're going to have to be more diverse, multicultural, all these different types of you know uh, adjectives that we used to uh, to describe it. And you know, there's two different ways you can look at it. You can look at it like, wow, we're going to be really different. We're going to have to you know figure out uh, new ways to incorporate you know culture that makes it so that everyone feels comfortable, so that we can all participate. Or you can say, oh no, they're taking my country away, right? Which is, and that's that reaction. And when I hear that, well, that's what happened when they wanted to end slavery, right? Yes, that that was that was seen <laughs> as that threat. Like, oh, we got now they're there are going to be uh, freed slaves who are going to be part of the population voting. And, and right away, actually, there, there were a lot of um, African-American uh, congresspeople and governors and, and whatnot that were elected in the South before they incorporated Jim Crow. Jim Crow is a reaction to, oh, no, they're taking this. They're in the South. They've got a, you know, they got a presence. They can um, elect leaders within black communities. And that was highly threatening. So to is that what you're seeing with these... Uh the Hispanics like AOC that are coming, coming up through the ranks and, and, you know, some of these Muslims and because ever since nine 11, it's been us against the Muslims. It's, you know, it's all the Muslims are terrorists. And I'm sitting there like, listen, a radical Christian is way more of a threat to me right now or at any time in my life than a radical Muslim has ever been. I'm more likely to get murdered by a radical Christian than I am a radical Muslim. It's the other, like you said, it's it's the othering and the idea that like when you say Muslim, I mean, Islam is a religion, but for I think for a lot of people on that far right side, they racialize it. They it's, think it's a country. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
they think, they think they're from muzzle or something. Yeah. And so, you, and you know, what's really interesting is, uh, I've had, I've had Muslim friends who were white, uh, from European countries. And so, you know, mm-hmm. but they don't think that that's, that's not how it comes across AOC in particular. It's, she's really interesting because she's such a lightning rod. Um, I She's have, rocking the boat. Yeah, I, I have friends from back home. Um, I've got uh, friends and relatives from back home who are very conservative, uh, very, very conservative. Um, you know, North Dakota was a, a Trump a Trump state for sure. Um, and she is, she elicits so much ire or maybe hatred. <laughs> yeah. It's And I cannot <laughs> figure it out. Like, they lose their minds at the, all you got to do is mutter AOC, and they're just like, oh! You it's know. a young, it's a young mouthy brown girl. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of people just cannot stand. And that's something that you know, it's something that the, that has always been for so long. That's not your place, you girl. Sit down, and you know that kind yep. of thing. And this girl's from New York City. This ain't just your average, you know, whatever. You know, she probably grew up in the hood or something. I mean, she's. She's got some feistiness to her. Yeah, and older white men look at that, and I think that that is that's a threat. scary. Yeah, that's scary. I mean, anybody that's not an old white guy basically is is looked at as a threat. Even even white women. I mean, they look at them as gold diggers and trying to take whatever they can. And like it, it's, I think the overall the overall thing is that it's just scary to them that they feel that power slipping away. They start seeing brown people being uh, elected in these different positions and this different stuff going on. And it's scary. Here's, here's the, uh, the other side of it. And so if you're looking at this situation and you're like, Oh, Trump's tweets are, you know, they're driving me nuts. Or if you find this offensive, you find this racist and you, you, you're just worried about the direction of the country. Just look at the demographics on what age group believes what, and that tends to mellow me out a little bit because the younger generations, the the millennials, and now the Gen Zs, the ones that are basically just graduating high school right now, coming into the workforce, going into college, they are way more, uh, to use a, a term I'm probably too old to use, they're more woke yeah, than the rest of the, the country. Woke. They yeah, really are. Stay woke. They're savvy. Um, oh, yeah. They... Uh, you know, they're, they're way, they're so past the issue of same sex marriage and I mean, they're, yeah. they're not even on their radar anymore. Like, like legal weed, you yeah, know what I mean? Like that's, uh, that, come on, that's something that should have been done years ago. Yeah. Let's move forward. We're it, looking at this. It's and especially, I, and I think the same is true with race and immigration. The vast majority of them, they're just like, are we really going to, you know, it is 2019. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and it's in, well, that's what I said when I, when I said, whenever I read a tweet that said, go back to the countries that you came from and i'm like hold on this is this is 2019 what year is this this is our president yeah like the the sitting president of the united states is just making racist tweets and there are people just defending his ass all over social media too and and i think that is a generational thing and and here's here's the thing can they all die now As, well they will everyone dies <laughs> so, so everyone can dies can we speed that up but, a little bit and, and here here's the weird thing like it's a social change happens in a few different ways. And so one way that it happens is that everybody in the country changes their mind together. Doesn't happen very often and, and it doesn't happen that everybody changes their mind, but in during the civil rights movement there were actually a lot of white uh, whites that lived in cities or in suburbs 
um, outside of the South primarily, but once they saw the civil rights movement, what was happening on TV, they started getting more invested and they did change a lot of their views. They were able to kind of switch over. You, you've seen some people switch their views on same-sex marriage, especially if they've got, uh, they find out they have a grandkid, a kid, a niece, a nephew um, that's LGBT, and then they kind of, they come around to it. So, Well, it's just like those old racist bastards that always end up with mixed grandbabies and then yeah. they just, you know... They got to learn how to cornrow. They confront their own their own <laughs> prejudice, their own bias. Uh, but the other way that it happens, and this is honestly more common, it, it and it takes a lot longer, is cohort replacement, which is a really nice way of saying that older people pass away and their ideas pass away with them, and then the new generations come in with new ideas, and those new ideas then take hold. So you know, all you have to do is look at the the kids that are graduating high school right now and think thirty years in the future. That's where the middle is going to be. Yeah. And social change always happens that way. So if you're not happy with how things are right now, look at you know look at the look at the kids and see what they're doing. Um, no be- wonder those old those old farts just hate the millennials, right? Because yeah. <laughs> they see. <laughs> Because they're, they're, they're like, gonna, what are they doing? They're, they're, they're letting the gays and the uh, the Satanists and everybody run all over us. Yeah, and AOC is a, a millennial, and, and and all four of these women are. I think and isn't isn't that really wasn't racism really the root of make America great again? It was because when was America great? I mean, be, besides for white guys, they're when, hark- <laughs> they are hearkening to what's called the Great Prosperity, like right around the post World War II. I mean, is really what they're looking at, where life, especially for white men, was like wages went up dramatically Um, and wages went up for everyone during that time. But especially for white men that had these union jobs that, you know, came back from the war, they could get a 40 hour week job and support a family off of that and feel like they were advancing and feel like they were doing better. And so when some people have said that that MAGA, Make America Great Again, what they're doing is they're pointing back to that era and a time where things were really good for white people because a lot of the resentment from white communities that really that Trump excited was this idea that like where's my America? Why are all these other people getting special treatment? So it's and the I'm time. Not special it treatment. was the time of America that uh, the black people had the heroin uh, epidemic, right? Yeah. And uh, the Indians were trying to you know take over Alcatraz yeah, and the yeah. whole AIM movement and all that. That's the time period they want to take us back to. And they and, and they, <laughs> they they want to they. They want to turn Black back the Panthers clock and AIM and, and I mean, women were relegated to the homes and, and all these different types of things. So barefoot and in the kitchen. Yes, and it's it's important to recognize that uh, as much as me as much as much as some groups may have a an idealized view of what the past used to be, we can never go back there. So let's make the best of our future. We'll leave it to Beaver, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of The Isle of Dr. Garneau. Thank you for coming out again, Dr. Garneau. You bet. And uh, for everybody here at Talk Job Radio, I'm Thomas the Third saying peace. <laughs>